0: Welcome to Change Catalysts at the Growing Edge with your host, Carol McClelland Fields. Within each show, Carol and her guests explore topics that give coaches, healers, and other change catalysts new concepts, tools, and insights that open up opportunities to flourish personally, professionally, and financially. And now, your host, Carol McClelland-Fields.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Carol McClelland-Fields, your host. In this episode of Change Catalysts at the Growing Edge, my guest Tiffany Thoen and I will be exploring why it's so important for change catalysts and leaders to nurture themselves so they have the energy and stamina they need to step fully into their work. Tiffany is a registered nurse and an integrative coach who helps women leaders stop wasting their mental and emotional energy struggling with food and their bodies. Using the intuitive eating model, she supports women in healing their relationship with food, so they can finally find the balance, freedom, and satisfaction they crave while developing respect and acceptance for their bodies. Uh, Welcome, Tiffany. I look forward to our conversation.
2: Carol, thank you so much for having me on. I really am excited to do the show today, and I love the work that you do with Change Catalysts, just inspiring people to flourish.
1: Thank you so much. I always like to start the show with a deeper dive into the spark of what led you to the work that you do now. I know from our conversations that you experienced a time when you were out of balance and burning out. What was going on for you at that point?
2: Well, I've been a nurse for over 12 years, and I am really passionate about helping others Unfortunately, being a helper type personality and lacking self-care, you know, in nursing, they don't really teach us about self-care, or at least not very well. And that combination, being a people pleaser or helper type personality and not taking care of myself really caused me to just burn out completely. My health spiraled out of control. I had an autoimmune condition and some other chronic pain and illness issues, back injury. I ended up depressed and gaining a lot of weight. I was really at a point where I was working a desk job 45 hours plus a week and just pouring everything into my job. So I would go to work and my job was doing case management since you know I could no longer do direct patient care and in that role everyone is your customer so the doctors are your customers you know the Mm. the nurses are your customers the patients the family and there's no way to make everyone happy i would go and do everything i could and that particular job was one of the most challenging jobs in the case management world people would cover for me and they would be just crying by the end of the day And so it was really rough because I would go to work and I would work super hard to try to make things happen. And occasionally I would perform what would be considered kind of a miracle. But other than those days, most days I ended up feeling like I was falling short. And then Mm. I would have to fight traffic home. And basically I would just be completely exhausted. So I ended up getting in bed the rest of the evening my husband came to me one day and just said, you know, I'm really worried about you. And this is really not what I want our lives to look like forever. You know, I understand that you're struggling, but I want to be able to go for hikes and I want you to be happy. And and that was really hard to hear. And of course, you know, I was pretty defensive at the time, but it did help me to start doing more evaluating and it really wasn't what I wanted either. I realized that my option was to either continue on this way and have basically zero quality of life because I didn't have any energy left over at the end of the day for my family or being social or being out in nature, the things that I really love. And so my option was either keep going like this and be completely miserable or do something really radically different. And so I decided at that point to make my health my number one priority. And in making my health my number one priority, it really changed my thinking. I had to start looking at that achievement energy and make some shifts in prioritizing the things that were going to be nourishing to me. Yes. It was really this transition point. And I know you talk a lot about transition in your work. And unfortunately, I didn't have one clear person to tell me what to do, but I did start to find a really awesome support team. I started going to acupuncture every week, which was amazing for me. And I started to do things like deep breathing throughout the day, just really small things, but things that really started to help me to get out of that fight or flight and more into the rest and digest and the relaxation response. And those small shifts eventually really started to pay off. They really started to make a big difference in how I felt. I started to have more energy and the more energy I had, the more I could take care of
1: myself. Yes. Very good. I know I've been through periods of burnout myself. That was one of the reasons I got out of the corporate world because I was burned out completely and had a fatigue issue and just went through a very similar crisis point where I realized I just couldn't keep going. You know, even though this was quote unquote, a good job, it was killing me. And I had no life and I was 2930 at the time. And so it was really depressing. It is a in-your-face moment when you have to look at this job I have that's supposed to be nurturing me is doing the exact opposite. Now what am I going to do? It's quite a turning point for sure. And we're all glad that you made that turning point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually really grateful for that experience because
2: even though it was such a dark place to be in it really inspired me to head on the journey that I'm on that has completely changed the way that I work in the world and the way that I interact with people. And of course, today I'm so much happier. And I don't know if I would have gone this direction if I hadn't had that breaking point, so to speak.
1: I wanted to go back to something that you talked about. A couple of intriguing themes here. There's the helping theme where we're givers, which Change catalysts are by definition there to help other people make changes. So there's that energy that goes out of us. But you also talked about the achievement energy. Can you talk more about that and how it was showing up in your life?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is something I've had to work on for quite a while. Today, it's almost gone every now and then it rears its head. What I found Mm -hmm. is that I would have all these things on my to-do list. At the end of the day, I would judge myself about whether I had been good that day or bad that day, right? Or like whether I was good enough. And it wasn't something I was super conscious of, but it was really challenging, particularly in that role, because you could literally give every ounce of energy that you had and give everything that you could to make a situation work out. And sometimes it just didn't work out. And there were definitely times where there was no way to make everyone happy. You know, the patient wanted one thing and the family wanted a different thing. Well, you know, patient comes first, and then the family's mad at me, right? <laughs> oh. Or sometimes everyone wanted something to happen, but the insurance company said no. It was really out of my control, but I would still take on my value and my worth would be tied to what I had managed to make happen. And that helped me to see that from the time I was a child, it was all about working hard putting my needs last. So when the work is done, then you take a break, you go to the bathroom, you eat food. You know, When the work is done, then you can play, then you can have fun and be creative. My whole life had been built that way and my personality really lended itself well. So I was actually an excellent nurse, right? (laughs) (laughs) Because I would work hard all day long and put everyone else first, but then I would be miserable. I had nothing left over for me. It was really learning that my value and my worth is completely separate. It's not dependent on how many things I check off in a day or who I made happy, who I made miracles happen for. And it was really interesting because, and we'll talk a little bit more about my journey, but even in the entrepreneurial world, I found that this was something that I would get caught up in. If I made some good money doing something, I feel like I had to be busy almost to justify that income. Mm, And when I got new clients, I felt like I needed to really go above and beyond. And a lot of times I was doing things that were burning me out that really weren't that important in terms of serving my clients. So then I was kind of overextending myself without any real benefit to them. Mm. (laughs) Or uh, to yourself. yeah, Or to myself. Yeah. So then it was causing, you know, I'd get kind of grumpy and
0: not have energy
2: (laughs) for the things that I really wanted to have energy for. So yeah. it was really interesting that it was tied to that because I couldn't see it for a long, long time until I was in this situation where it was like, why am I not taking breaks to do deep breathing? For example, it takes a minute and a half. Why right. am I not taking a lunch break or at least eating some food in front of the computer? This job, well, there were things that were urgent, it wasn't the same as bedside nursing. You know, as a bedside nurse, if someone's not breathing, you, just, <laughs> you have to handle it. Or if the medication needs to be due at a certain time, you have to do that. Versus this job, I really had autonomy and I could prioritize things and I always was last. That was really painful, but also cathartic to realize that I can change this and it brought me to where I am today.
1: Yeah. And I think that's common with entrepreneurs also because our actions lead to money, presumably, especially when we're first starting out. That is a focus. There's an addictive quality to getting things done to get closer to that level of success. But I know for myself that often when I take a walk or even a go on vacation, that's often when I get the call that somebody wants to work with me. So it's a, always a nice confirmation that stepping away is a good thing because it shifts my energy and opens up space for somebody else to come and inquire. I always find that kind of interesting, that that little message from the universe go take a walk, (laughs) go on vacation, something good will happen. (laughs) Absolutely. The other part of nourishing oneself, aside from our work habits and how we're taking care of ourselves has to do with the food part of the equation. And I know that you have had a long history of, uh, I'll call it struggle with food, so can you talk a little bit about that because i know a lot of people are challenged with this particular topic these days and i think change catalysts are among them absolutely so i love that you tied that so nourishing ourselves is
2: multifaceted it's everything from taking breaks deep breathing taking time that we need to fill back up like you're saying go for walks go on vacation those things, but also actually physically feeding ourselves, nourishing food. So I think of it all as kind of fuel or filling back up. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's really interesting because getting my value from achievement was something I really had to address first, but it tied into my food. After healing my mental, emotional, spiritual stuff, then I had to do a lot of work on physically healing. And then what I found is that I was still struggling with food and it felt not in alignment with who I had become. What I found is that my achievement energy actually was tied in there as well. I started dieting from the time I was 10 years old. You know, mom dieted when I was a kid. We were either eating carrot sticks or cake. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I grew up in the late 70s, early 80s. So we were doing mac and cheese out of a box and top ramen and, you know, not a lot of nutrient-dense food unless we were on diet. And then it was very plain, boring, raw <laughs> veggies and that sort of thing. My experience as a child was all or nothing. You either eat everything in sight or you're eating perfectly. There's this good or bad associated with it. Uh, my mom would even say when she'd come to meet me for dinner as an adult, she'd say, are we eating good today or bad today? Oh. And so, yeah, so I, I have a lot of shame around eating when I would eat in a way that felt out of control or when I would eat certain foods. And so I would try to go on a diet to be healthy or to lose weight. It didn't work i would diet and lose weight and then i would fall off the wagon so to speak and eat everything turns out there's a reason for that a physiological reason but i didn't know at the time and then i would have a lot of shame and beat myself up and so the cycle kind of continued and i'd gain all the way back and fluctuate fast forward to the point of deciding to make my health my number one priority i found that while i was trying to heal some of my physical issues the diets got more and more restrictive and they were quote unquote for health now. I let go of weight loss, but I was still struggling physically and then tying that to eating restrictively. And then again, you know, having that pendulum swing and falling off the wagon, then I would beat myself up even more because I blamed myself for my health issues. And so I really had this internal battle happening and it was just sucking my energy. I was having so much shame and negative self-talk around it. Was only allowed, quote unquote, <laughs> to eat ten almonds at a time or half a cup of broccoli at a time, and that really started to mess with my head. And I thought, you know, I might heal my gut, but I'm gonna get an eating disorder from this, right. like a right, like a full blown eating disorder. Very luckily, found a therapist who was trained in intuitive eating. Ah. So that really opened my mind and completely changed the way that I perceived. My relationship with food and helped me to decide that that was actually the next thing is that I really needed to heal my relationship with food and not have that like control battle happening with food.
1: Yeah. Fascinating. I have a similar but different journey with restrictive health diets and I understand everything you're saying. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's been a long journey. How has this experience of healing and discovering how to nurture yourself influenced your work as Mm -hmm. a change catalyst, as a leader yourself?
2: On so many levels. Well, first of all, the work I do now is working with people to heal their relationship with food. So it's directly led to changing specifically how I help people in the world. But I would say that really learning that I wanted to walk my talk and I wanted to model you know like i mentioned before becoming a nurse i wanted to help people but i was taught that self care isn't a priority mm-hmm. and that was also my experience growing up as i mentioned you know it made me work super hard i got a lot of kudos at work people appreciated that but by not modeling that i feel like i did fall short in a way and a friend of mine actually started selling skincare which i was never going to do that and then i saw the products and how well they worked for people and i was like well i want the products and maybe I am gonna do this. And so I was terrible at it, but (laughs) I decided to jump in. And for me, that's the time when I was starting to discover that self-care is important. And so I started doing talks about skincare as self-care, you know, making sure that we took that time because clients would say to me, Well, it's not the money that I'm worried about, it's more that I'm worried I won't actually use the products. And you know, it takes about two minutes in the morning and two minutes at night to do the whole routine. And I thought, how sad is that that we As women, don't feel like we can take four minutes in a day. And so then I looked up how many minutes in a day, you know, there's 1,440 minutes in a day and we can't take four of them for ourselves. Wow. It blew my mind and deepened my self-care practice even more, made me more aware of how this is an epidemic. Fortunately, I was at a barbecue and I met another nurse who said she was considering doing this program that was called Integrative Nurse Coach. And I immediately knew, oh my gosh, I'm a nurse coach. That's, yes, I am. And so I jumped in and when I showed up there, I was blown away. These women, they were so grounded and they were so well-rested and they were just glowing. And they would encourage us all to get a cup of tea and say hello to each other before sitting down to do our classwork. We would do guided visualizations. We would do meditations. We would then journal about it and share about our experiences. It was completely different than any other nurse education training that I had received. They really walked their talk. And by modeling that, it gave us all permission to also really care for ourselves and model that to my clients and to the people that I meet. I need to model to them that I'm only wanting to do things that fill me up. Even my work at this point is very satisfying and very fulfilling to me, and that I need to make my needs my number one priority, and doing that without any shame or judgment. This is now extended into the intuitive eating model, and I found that this is the way that I can have the most impact. I can also feel the most fulfilled and rewarded. But I really want to empower people to put their needs first and care for themselves on the deepest level so that they can have the biggest impact in the world. I feel that's the thing that will create the ripple effect that is needed to really, truly shift all of the pain and all of the division that is in the world right now. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Absolutely. For me personally, it was that mental angst that fueled me ultimately to find a different way. And in talking with people, their struggle around food has been for their whole lives. And it's often tied to many other things. Like for me, it was tied to understanding that my value and my worth is constant and that I am valuable and worthy of love and respect no matter what. I actually have a, a manifesto around when we know that our value and our worth is constant. We can separate ourselves from doing things to try to be good enough and food is one of those things so when we can remove judgment around food um, really helps us reclaim our power by deepening our power we can be empowered to eat in a way that really nourishes us and that honors our bodies and our individuality or our genetics our needs And so it's really taking back the control from an external locus of control to an internal locus of control. So bringing it from out here and all of the shoulds and judgment around food to an internal process of how do I want to honor myself? What feels good to my body? When am I hungry? Giving myself unconditional permission to eat and making my hunger a priority so that we then not only can let go of all of that wasted mental and emotional energy and all of that shame that we have. But we can also truly nourish ourselves, whether that looks like taking a break and drinking a cup of tea and going for a walk and wrapping ourselves in a blanket when we need to. Or if that looks like eating a salad or making sure we're getting in extra veggies because that's how we feel the most nourished. We can take that energy and put it into fueling ourselves and filling ourselves up and then we can have the greatest impact in the world. And so in my One Manifesto, what I talk about is knowing our value and worth and giving ourselves love and respect then allows us to step into that power and model that for our our clients, for our friends, for our families, for those people who follow us. We can model that and it empowers them to then do the same. Just as I was empowered by the nurse coaches who trained me, watching them really walk their talk And that was in itself nourishing for me and also a call to action. Yes. I do want to go back to the point about honoring our hunger. This is something that was really mind blowing for me because I had been taught that my hunger wasn't a priority. It was eat meal times or when there's time to do it or um, when the work is done. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was happening on both a physical level and on a spiritual level. So my hunger and my desires were kind of pushed to the background. And so I really feel that honoring our hunger is really important physically, and it's really important spiritually, mentally, emotionally. We give our bodies the message that we're not a priority or our hunger is not important, and our body then is like, oh, yes, it is. (laughs) We're gonna eat a whole bag of potato chips. It's actually like a physiological response. So the feast or famine, Type situation. But I feel like when we do start to honor our hunger on a physical level and on a spiritual level or an emotional level, we can build trust with our bodies. And so the more we are in alignment with our bodies and we build that trust, our bodies can kind of relax a little and we can get into more of what we're meant to do, kind of our magic in the world. So we can step into that power and that deeply fed place. Physically, it's important, but also, what else are we hungry for? And are we nourishing that? Are we feeding ourselves? Are we hungry for creativity? Are we allowing ourselves to be creative, building this body trust and um, and stepping into our value and loving ourselves, treating ourselves as if we know that value deeply. Because if we have something extremely valuable in our lives, how do we treat that thing? We care for it. We're careful with it, and we make sure that it's tended to. And so caring for ourselves is the thing for me, you know, on that deepest level, especially with food, has become the biggest reason, I guess, that I am passionate about this work.
1: I wanted to go back just to a few concepts because I think that they're really important to give examples and solidify so people can recognize these things in their own life as a change catalyst, but perhaps even to support their clients and making some of these aha moments as well. When we think about wasted mental and emotional energy for entrepreneurs, change catalyst leaders, where they're so out of balance that they have to push where they struggle, where they maybe spin their wheels. What are some of the things you see in your client that happen that could alert them that this is something for them to pay attention to?
2: Mm. What I see is almost a feeling of despair, Mm -hmm. feeling overwhelmed, feeling exhausted, wondering if it's worth it even, Mm I think at Mm -hmm. times, or feeling you have so much that you're responsible for, feeling like I've just got too much on my plate. Having that negative self-talk really start to come out a lot or more frequently or just get really nasty (laughs) when it starts (laughs) to just say really awful things to us. Usually for me, that's a sign for my client that we're approaching a wall and that we're needing to back up and pause, make our self-care a priority.
1: So I remember when I would write books, that was when I would get out of balance because I had a deadline of, you know, write 360 pages in five months. Mm -hmm. So from the time you sign that contract, everything is about that book. Nourishment, yeah, you have to eat, but you know. You just had to do it and you get back to work. You know, you didn't have a lot of extra space and time. After my books would come out, I would be so exhausted. There would be like nothing in the well to draw mm. from. Finally, I realized it was a pattern that I I hadn't just lost my creativity overnight. It was that I was so tired that I needed to feed myself from the inside out again so that mm. I would get back to a place of creativity it's, it's insidious in a way because you love your work and yet the work that you're doing is causing you to be out of balance. So there's this kind of disconnect, I would call it. And I think that my journey with food has been, in effect, the messenger that really made it a daily priority to take mm. care of myself in a positive way because I have that tendency to just dive into my work and just. In my work, you know, it, it's just how I'm built. But the food, and then I've also had some body pain issues too that are much better now. But there was a time where I had to sit in a very, very specific ways in order to not feel pain. Now, looking back, I see it was a messenger to, you know, get in your body, woman. <laughs> Don't be just in your head doing your work. You got to get back into the place that you are grounded yeah. from so that that's the foundation for the work that you do.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I love that you told that story. The crux is we feel like we don't have time for it, but then when we don't have time for it, it's a cycle because then we feel bad and then we struggle to be as productive as we need to. And then absolutely people are finding themselves eating in a way that feels out of control regularly. You know, a lot of times we think that it's because we have no willpower and that's the cause of it, but actually that eating cycle is a symptom of other things that are going on. And a lot of times it's because we're not caring for ourselves deeply, or sometimes it's a physical thing that's happening. Sometimes if you have a bacterial overgrowth of your gut, then you're going to crave sugar and carbohydrates. But most often it's cortisol levels are high and we're stressed. And then that leads to us craving carbohydrates or we're not getting enough sleep. And so then we're trying to compensate by eating quick fuel and to push through. And so definitely the way that we are eating can be a sign that we are out of balance and physical pain and these other physical things can be a sign that something's out of whack and it's challenging because we do love our work and we tend to be especially for like solo entrepreneurs we're it if we don't do our work we're not going to make it and we're usually passionate about this work for many more reasons than just making money but we need to make money but also we want to spread our message and we could work endlessly there's endless things you could do to move your business forward but what i find is that when i do take the time to nourish myself both you know physically mentally emotionally i tend to be so much more powerful and effective when i do sit down to write content or when i do have conversations because i'm refreshed i'm ready for them i'm open i'm relaxed i can be in my genius And I can work from a place of overflowing energy, my cup overflowing, and then I can use that energy to create what I want to create in the world versus trying to force and power through and then being exhausted. There's times where you're committed to doing something and you know that you're going to have to overextend a little bit more than you want to. But there are ways to support ourselves even in that. If we can just honor, oh yes, this is a time. And, and hopefully it's the exception, not the rule. We're not constantly living from a place of overextension. So for example, in this month I was taking two courses and I did a three-day conference. And I knew they were all just things that I really had a clear yes to. I hired a meal delivery service so that I had supplemental meals available in my fridge at all times. I made it clear to my friends and family that I was going to be really focused on my work right now. And I built time into my schedule in the next few weeks to rest.
1: I know for myself, because I have some specific food requirements, that sometimes I go into a little bit of overdrive when I have to travel or when I have to give a talk and making sure that the food that I can't necessarily control is going to work for me. And so that's another way where if you are out of balance or if you are in the earlier stages with your nourishment patterns... I think that's a way we can hold ourselves back from our business because we don't feel like we have the energy and the stamina to be out in the world in as big a way as maybe our business is ready to be. So that's one of the interfaces that I see between your work and the work that I do is, you know, my work is to help people identify what it is that they want to do and to create the work that they're here to do. And if they're out of balance or if they're nervous or struggling with how do I be who I need to be and do the work, it's a little bit of a riddle sometimes to figure that out.
2: Yeah, it can be really challenging, especially if you have particular food intolerances Mm -hmm. and specific food needs. Fortunately, there are a lot of places in the world that do have like Whole Foods or New Seasons types places. And I've even found the little tiny towns will have like a natural food store. It's pretty amazing. So those are ways yeah, that we need to put planning ahead of time or put energy in there. And sometimes it looks like bringing a bunch of kind of convenience foods from like Trader Joe's or something. Sometimes it looks like ordering Amazon Prime groceries to come to your Airbnb. Sometimes it looks like, okay, I'm just, I know for this few days, I'm going to have less access to the foods that I'm used to eating and do our best. And then when we come home, really just stack up on the uh, nutrient dense, slow processed foods and get that in. So um, yeah. that's one of the reasons I think it is helpful to have coaching because you can anticipate. So one of the things that I do with my clients is we talk about if the holidays are coming up, for example, then we would You know go over okay well what what needs to happen to be able to stay with yourself in terms of your wellness goals and still enjoy the time or if you're going to be traveling or staying with a family member who maybe doesn't eat the same way that you do or how do you have these discussions and how do you plan accordingly how do you make sure you still get what you need to be cared for in that time
1: Uh, yeah it's helpful to have that creative partnering to find those solutions So talk to us a little bit about the foundations of intuitive eating. So there are 10 principles of intuitive
2: eating, and this was created by a pair of dietitians who were seeing that restrictive eating was causing harm in their patients. And so they developed the intuitive eating model 25 years ago. There's a book called Intuitive Eating and a workbook I recommend to clients. The 10 principles really go into detail about Rejecting diet culture and honoring our hunger, honoring satisfaction, discovering what's satisfying to us. I think the biggest pieces are also learning to be in touch with and respect our bodies. A lot of us aren't even that connected. We basically have to be really hungry before we start to notice what's actually happening. Or sometimes we just eat at arbitrary times just because that's when food's available. Or we don't eat maybe all day and then we eat beyond fullness because there's that pendulum swing that happens. Our body's like, hey, we really need to get in food. Apparently there's no food available. So now we're going to eat as much as we can. So it's getting in tune with our bodies, learning what our hunger signals, learning to eat when we are starting to get hungry rather than when we're starving. (laughs) Panic! And and then trying to eat to a place of comfortable wholeness rather than (laughs) beyond fullness or just even eating without being connected to our bodies at all, which is what a lot of us are doing. So that requires giving ourselves unconditional permission to eat, that I am going to honor my hunger. And if I'm hungry, I can eat, I will eat. And sometimes that means maybe you're at a conference and you have to eat at prescribed times. Well, sometimes that means going, well, I'm not that hungry right now, but I know I'm not gonna get a chance to eat for four or five hours. So I'm gonna go ahead and have this meal now. It's honoring our bodies and doing self-care around food as well. I would say the biggest foundation for intuitive eating is really letting go of that judgment. So say you do eat in a way that feels out of control, rather than being like, I didn't do it good enough. I didn't honor my hunger or I ate emotionally, something like that. Instead going, okay, well, I felt like I needed to eat a whole bag of potato chips, or I, I did eat a whole bag of potato chips or a whole gallon of ice cream, whatever it is. What was happening that led up to that? Did I have a really stressful day and I didn't eat much all day? And then I came home and I was really super hungry and I didn't have food prepared. I couldn't think straight. Or was I restricting potato chips and I said, I I can't have them. My four-year-old came out and was like, I'm eating them. (laughs) What happened there? You know? And that way we can start to really make changes and we can really start to heal our relationship with food and instead honor our body, let go of eating in a way that doesn't feel good in a way that feels out of control. But we have to be willing to let go of that judgment piece. And that I think is really challenging because of cultural conditioning and the the diet culture and diet mentality that we're raised with from the time where children were told eat more, clean your plate, 10 more bites of veggies, whatever it is. And then for a lot of people, when they get to puberty age, you know, during period, there's a rapid weight gain that happens and that's normal. Then we're told, oh, slow down your eating. Your hunger isn't a priority. You're given these messages that are really confusing and there's a lot of judgment. They're very loaded and very shaming messages. And so we internalize that. And then it makes it really hard to just know what works for our body and what doesn't and decide from that place, is this food worth it? Do I want this food? Will this be satisfying for me to my taste buds and to my body? Will this feel good? So, and sometimes we decide, ah, this is going to give me a headache, but it's worth it anyway, because it's my birthday. <laughs> you
1: know? In some ways, it's sounding like it's reacquainting ourselves with the language of our body understanding the cues it's giving us and understanding both the emotional pieces and the mental pieces and the, you know, the health plan pieces and finding that balance that allows us to feel good and nourished and happy along the way. But it it is a journey of discovery. And and there needs to be that balance. So it's learning how to find that rhythm for yourself and give yourself that permission to eat as you need to in that moment.
2: Absolutely, yeah, so satisfaction is really important. There's a good reason that we enjoy food, it's biological. Our physiology is designed to enjoy it. You know, it lights up our dopamine centers and mm-hmm. people connect that to the way that drugs work. But actually, if you think about it, giving someone a hug lights up that same dopamine pathway. Babies do that. People's puppies do that. Going for walks, exercise. So there's lots of ways that we do that. And food is meant to be enjoyable. If you think about a baby, they're breastfed. So they're being comforted and loved while they eat. And so food should be a loving action. And it's up to each person to decide what that looks like for them. You know, for some people, it's all about like warm, savory in a bowl, like a bowl of curry or (laughs) stew or soup, especially right now. Some people, it's crunchy stuff. Some people really like colorful food. For some people, it's like all the elements of a meal that matter. Honoring what is going to be satisfying for us and having fun with it. Food is also used in almost all cultures as a celebration. Allowing ourselves to enjoy it and have that celebratory spirit during the holidays in a way that's still going to feel good to us, not eating to the point where we're so full that we're uncomfortable, but instead eating the things that we really enjoy and perhaps spending time preparing with your grandmother's recipe or whatever it is, and and just really enjoying that. It is about balance and it is about finding what works for you. And so for me, I have a gluten and an egg intolerance. Not that I can't have those foods, but those foods aren't worth it. But I do make an effort to prepare and have foods, find restaurants and things that I, I can go to that I don't risk having the discomfort of exposure to gluten, but that I can still really enjoy, that are still going to be really satisfying and a, a splurge, so to speak, or fun foods.
1: Yeah. So that
2: I don't feel deprived. I want to feel nourished and satisfied.
1: Exactly. What happens when change catalysts and leaders actually make this connection for themselves? How does this change them? And how does it change the way they work?
2: Typically, they become more and more connected to their intuition and they can really stop fighting with their bodies. They become more in alignment with who they are, what they need and want, and their priorities shift. So they really have that energy and that stamina that they need to do the work that they love so that they can step fully into their power. And again, they model that for their clients. So it becomes this ripple effect. And I think the biggest thing is that they start to honor their own autonomy and their client's autonomy and, and their own intuition and their client's intuition more and start to recognize that we do have some inherent wisdom and each person truly is an individual, that their thoughts and desires are different and their strengths are different as well. And so if we can base our work on honoring those things from personal experience, then our work becomes more powerful because we can help our clients do things in a way that is in alignment with their intuition, that is in alignment with what their desires are, what's going to make them satisfied. We can honor these things and that creates this alignment that allows people to just really step into their magic and their leadership in the world.
1: We definitely need that. When somebody's listening to this show and they're having light bulbs go off and they're realizing that they are out of balance and they're burned out or they really aren't nourishing themselves in the way that you're talking about, what would you say would be their first step to beginning that journey to reconnect? So I would say it
2: takes a little bit of self-reflection first to really recognize like, where are you at because it's a spectrum. So if you're really struggling and you have like zero self-care you're doing. It's really important to find just one very small thing that you can do consistently, that you know 100% that you can be successful at that. It's usually something small, like for me, it was that deep breathing three times a day. That was the first thing that I did for me that wasn't going to an appointment or outside of myself. I did it all by myself and I could do it whether I was in my office or in the car or wherever, and I just set an alarm on my phone. Um, So so for some people, it's deep breathing. For some people, it's sleeping a little bit more, you know, honoring that, going to bed a little earlier. For some people, it is going to acupuncture weekly or establishing a good relationship with a doctor or coach, something like that. But ideally, it's a small step and you can do it consistently. So you can do it every day or, you know, once a week and that you look at what has worked for you in the past.
1: Bit by bit.
2: Bit by bit. Exactly. Break it down really small. Mm Mm-hmm. And usually those goals are things that help reduce our stress level, because if we're able to reduce our stress level, everything is a little bit better. We tend to sleep better. We tend to be able to think more clearly, to have more energy. Mm -hmm. And then if it's someone who's already doing the self-care piece, and maybe they're realizing, oh, food is kind of the next area that I want to focus on, really making a commitment to letting go of judgment and just start noticing what's happening when, and let go of the idea of this is all because I have no willpower. Because actually, if you look up the research, there's dieting success has nothing to do with willpower. The diets just are kind of inherently broken. Um, Something like 85% or 90% of people gain back the weight and most of them gain back even more after they've dieted. Letting go of the judgment toward ourselves and getting curious about what's happening around our relationship with food, that would be a really great first
1: step. Awesome. So can you just talk a little bit about how you nourish yourself and how you take care of yourself?
2: Absolutely. This is a really important thing to me. I have developed habits and incorporated it into my life in such a way that it's daily for me. I actually read The Miracle Morning a while ago. It's a book. The guy who wrote it, Hell Elrod, he's a kind of the quintessential motivational speaker. He discovered this out of a period of depression in his life. And the idea is that we do it first. You know, I've been doing this consistently for a couple of years. And basically every morning, meditation, journaling, reading, some affirmations, visualizations, exercises. I do like stretching or back exercises and during that time. So taking the time to do those things every single morning, and there are mornings where I only have 10 minutes Well, I do one minute each and then a little extra in one area.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Most mornings I take about an hour and do this routine. And sometimes it's heavier on the meditation side. Sometimes it's heavier on the reading side. If I'm in a book, I'm really excited about. And as part of my journaling, I write out my gratitude list. I've adjusted it in the way that works for me. And I also go for walks every day. I eat really minimally processed, very nutrient-dense food. And then I also have foods that are satisfying, Um, simply there for the point of satisfaction. But I I really nourish myself well. I have a great healthcare team. So acupuncture, naturopath, I get other kinds of body work. I I go do the float spa thing, the sensory deprivation. And now what I'm really playing with is what would it look like for my calendar to fully support me doing the things that I love. And so that looks like having times where I'm completely off, um, no working days. <laughs> it has, um, plenty of time for connecting with people. It has plenty of time for doing my client work and then my content writing and program development time. But I also am looking at where can I add in extra forms of exercise since now I'm at a place where I've been cleared to start doing more exercise um where can i fit in more creativity fun adventure and play in my life so that's kind of where i'm at today and i'll just say one more thing about this is that i my self care used to go out the window when i was busy cuz i didn't have time for it and then i discovered that my self care had to be constant and non-negotiable and i had to do it no matter what and i remember actually when this finally hit home for me i was doing the miracle morning thing and i'd only been doing it for a little while And it was Christmas Eve, and I still had to wrap presents, do some other things to get ready for Christmas, and I had to work a 12-hour shift at the hospital, and I was sick. Oh, my. Oh, dear. (laughs) And, And I was like, this would be the day of any days to not get up and do my awareness practice. And instead it hit me like a thunderbolt. This is the day of all days that you need and deserve this awareness practice because I had so much else that I needed to be there for, to show up for. I needed to put something in first. That was really powerful for me. And then I discovered that actually my self-care not only had to be non-negotiable, but it actually had to be directly proportional to the other things I had going on in my life. So if I had more stress, if I had more things on my plate, I actually needed even more self-care in order to be able to show up fully for those things. And that's something I still play with because it's still challenging sometimes and I have to make up for it. You know, I have to then spend even more time doing self-care. So it's kind of the nuances of living the message and being less busy and more intentional with my time and how to ratchet up my self-care when my stress level goes up, rather than do less self-care.
1: Yeah, I love those insights. I've not heard other people talk about that that way, so thank you for that. Well, let's talk a little bit about how listeners can understand the specific work you do, kind of the form of the work you do, and then also how to find you. In the past, I've worked with people simply one-on-one in a six-month coaching program.
2: However, I feel that the intuitive eating principles are getting more and more central to the work that I do. And so I'd like people to have that foundation first. I'm going to be actually offering intuitive eating workshops and an online 12-week intuitive eating course. I'm going to be having them really regularly. I might be having them monthly. And that all will be listed on my website. So it's coachtiffanyrn.com. And um, people can actually go to my website and they can sign up for a free hunger scale. It's my take on the traditional hunger scale, so it's a little sillier. It's got some funny pictures, and I think people will be able to relate to it pretty well. So they can sign up for my email list and they'll get a free my free hunger scale when they join the email list. So yeah, and then in my email list um, updates, I'll be sending out the times for the intuitive eating courses and the intuitive eating workshops as well
1: right and i know you also have a facebook group right
2: that's right i do so for people who are on facebook it's called deserving women and i believe we're going to include that in the resources so yeah. if people want to get more content from me i post articles and discussion questions and then of course i do some live coaching videos and anytime someone's just struggling they're welcome to post in that group everyone in there is really kind um, we have a no fixing policy and no shaming policy. So it's a really awesome. safe place to <laughs> yeah. post about struggles in there.
1: All of Tiffany's resources will be listed on my site. I list the resources for all my previous guests at flourish as a change forward slash radio. So you can head on over there and the links will be set up under this show heading. And anything else you want to share, Tiffany, before we go?
2: I just, I really want to say thank you so much. And I know that you really do a lot of work around celebrating people's inspiration and ideas and helping people transition into their leadership roles. And that's something that I think it's such valuable work because we really need that in the world right now. We really need leaders who are working at their kind of highest level. And so I think that's where we have a lot of commonality is that we both are coaches that want people to be in their magic and see that of the impact that that has in the world. So I just want people to know that, that you and I, see that and honor that and want the audience to really just be inspired to flourish and be the leaders that they're meant to be in the world
1: absolutely and we met through a networking group and the first time we met there was this resonance and it's continued to grow i do think we're very much on the same page Thank you so much for all that you've shared today and all the ideas we can take away now and think a little differently about how we're nourishing ourselves so that we can have a bigger impact with our work as Change Catalysts. So again, the resource link uh, is flourishasachangecatalyst.com forward slash radio, and you will find Tiffany's website and her resources there. And thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for more ways you can flourish as a change catalyst at the growing edge.
0: You've been listening to Change Catalysts at the Growing Edge on InspiredNewsRadio.com with Carol McClelland Fields. Tune in regularly to hear more ways you can flourish as a change catalyst.